Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining for this episode. Today we have a wonderful woman here to share with you her story, our dear friend Karen Grenfell, who lives in Melbourne, Australia. She uh, started off as a nurse and got into yoga to help her deal with the stress of working as a nurse. And she's been practicing for a long time, well over 20 years. She was authorized actually 20 years ago by Sri K. Patabi Joyce in 2001 and then continued coming to Mysore annually, uh, practiced the advanced series uh, in Mysore for many, many years, and eventually was certified in 2012 by Sharat Joyce. And she's one of only a few women in the world, and I'm honored to say this list includes myself to hold this certification from the Sri K. Patabi Joyce uh, Research Institute or the Ashtanga Yoga Research Institute, which is now called the Sharat Joyce Yoga Shala. So um, it's an honor to have her here. She has so much experience and dedication and patience with the practice and really is just a beautiful example of how um, this journey can unfold. So I'm excited to introduce you to her today. But before we get going, I just wanted to let you know about a special workshop that I'm teaching Saturday, November 27th online. This is a particular workshop I've put together um, that focuses on yoga beyond asana. And so I want to help you learn how to prioritize self-care and recommit to your spiritual practice in a way that integrates the more tangible aspects of yoga into your day. And so we're going to look at ways that you can fit in a practice and also reconnect to spirit throughout the day and help you go deeper into your practice without having to add on more asanas or spend more time on your yoga mat. What does yoga look like when you integrate it throughout your day and how does it help you and how can it help you sustain your yoga practice over a long period of time? So integrating mini mindfulness moments throughout the day, um, breath work, some meditation, as well as looking at the yamas and the niyamas and particular practices we can do that maybe we overlook or we don't often think about as yoga practices, but are really essential for growth and transformation. So I hope that you sign up and join me on Saturday, November 27th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. That will be 2 p.m. in the UK. It will be online and of course there will be a recorded uh, class that you will be able to view and keep after the workshop is finished. Um, you can find all the information on my website, harmonyslater.com and I just hope to see you there. I think this is a really valuable opportunity 
offering and is actually something that I'm thinking of developing more into a group coaching program in the new year. So I'd love to hear if you're interested in this. Drop me a DM or send me an email if you'd be interested in looking at how to integrate the practices of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, all eight limbs of yoga into your daily life and working with me directly. Um, I think it'd be really transformational for those of you who are curious and want to um, go deeper into this practice and really understand yoga beyond asana. So that's coming up and what's coming up right now is our beautiful conversation with Karen Grenfell. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony Slater, and I am here with the effervescent Russell Case. <laughs> I'm re- I'm really delighted today. I've got uh, we've got a friend of mine on the show, and I I like how she's just your friend, yes, not my friend. Yeah, you have a habit of taking my <laughs> friends and making them your better friends. <laughs> Um, so this friend, we went on vacation together once and while on vacation, she said to me, um, oh, that'll be good. Let's put it in the kitty. <laughs> and I had to have that explained to me because it's, uh, to me, it was sounded rather rude. Hi, Karen Grenfell, how are you? <laughs> I'm very good, Russell. <laughs> I, uh, I have some memory of that. Yes. We're going on holiday together, and we sharing some funds, so we could go. And we buy... must have been sharing funds. So now, what's it mean? <laughs> you put it in the kitty. It's like a purse. In yeah, the purse, exactly in the communal, yeah. communal purse. I'd oh, say. Oh, like a Percy cat. Yeah, like yeah. a. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's like a collective like... purse. That's right. That's right. Something Percy that cat. we, you know, you could put, say, a little bit of money into, and then when we're in the chai shop wanting to have a chai, we go, oh, you can just take it from the kitty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's my money. See, and no, you have your not. money, and there's my money. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, it's a nice way of sharing. Oh, <laughs> anyway, that's good. Well, yeah. we, I just to introduce you, I don't think you really need an introduction. Everyone should know you, but just for uh, Martha Haynes, our one dear listener in uh, Florida, <laughs> Karen Grenfell is a super long time practitioner of Ashtanga yoga and has been teaching the Mysore style in Melbourne, Australia for t- over 20 years. Originally a nurse in a busy Melbourne hospital, Karen discovered yoga to help her daily de- deal with daily stress. Her study of yoga led her to Mysuru, where she became one of a handful of women in the world to receive the Ashtanga Yoga certification. Well, how about that? Hello. Good on you, Karen. Thanks, Russell. Uh, yeah. yeah. Appreciate Good it. Good stuff. And yeah. we were trying to figure out if we met in 2004 in Mysore. Yes. And I think, it, I'm pretty sure it was 2004. I think but. So. You had been, I mean, you were a very senior student to me, even though we're not so far apart in age, because you must have started going to Mysore and you were really young, Karen. Well, I guess I was, um, my first trip was early 98, so I was 26 Yeah. when I wow. first, um, first, yeah, touched down um, there, and yeah, early 98, and I stayed for a couple of months then. And, yeah, I did feel like I was one of the younger ones in Mysore at that time and I had a lot of amazing people to look up to 
and mm-hmm. yeah, felt yeah, and then it yeah, it just kept going from there, harmony, and you know, it just um, oh, what to say? <laughs> that was my first I think, trip. <laughs> I think Andrew Hillam once told me that two of you had your first trip together. That he remembers you then. Oh, probably. Yeah, I think they those guys, uh, him and Jessica. Were, I'm not sure if this is my next trip. I then I um, I had a few a few times I visited when the old Shala was still open in um, in Lakshmi Puram. So I think I was there in beginning of '98 and then 2000 and then um, early 2001. I think or late 2000. I, think I went twice in 2000 maybe. Um, and yeah, him and Jessica were in the um, post office house just down the road from the Shala. And I was in the Om house a little further away from that. And I think that might have actually been my second visit. But, um, yeah, maybe um, he was there in early 98 as well. I'm not sure. But yeah, great to have another Australian. Yeah, you guys share the Aussie, the Aussie connection. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. considerably hairier than you. <laughs> he is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, was I, was, I was thinking about that time, and I have a very particular memory um, about that time that was that to me was quite tragic and mm-hmm. in 2003 i think four it really kind of starts this period in in ashtanga yoga in mysore where there was a bit of a conflict between sharat and and guruji and it's what harmony and i like to call the desert period mm-hmm. and, harmony could you tell us what what you <laughs> might mean by that well it was like everybody there was no like leader mm. necessarily in the shala in some ways i mean there was and there wasn't and there was sort of a lot of arguing and postures would be get given out and taken away yeah, yeah, yeah. or not given out at all for long periods of time yes. because nobody really knows why yeah <laughs> it's arbitrary. yeah like, he did, it's, like maybe I don't know, maybe Shrat didn't feel like we were his students yet, so he didn't want to give us postures or... Yeah, but then also, like, Guruji wasn't really giving many postures either. No, no, it was an interesting time. It was right happened when I was just learning the first section of Advanced as well, so it was a a hard slog. Um, (laughs) um, But, yeah, I remember that and just there was a little bit of, like, oh, who's who's doing the teaching here? But at the same time, I am... I must say I did feel very seen, you know, like I felt seen by Sharat and I did feel like he was, um, because, you know, there was the older students like the Rolf and, you know, I don't know, um, the next generation up from me and that they were very much Guruji students and I guess mm-hmm. we were coming through and, you know, in Sharat's time and he, I did feel very much seen by him. I'm not sure if you remember this, Russell, but... Um, I think it was in 2004, maybe 2005, that I was in the middle of my practice in in the first part of advance that I was learning and Sharat comes and stands at the end of my mat and says, Karan, today you come pranayama. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh my, oh my golly, <laughs> oh my golly, because I had drummed in to me right from the very beginning <clears throat> that you don't do pranayama with Guruji or Sharat until you're finished, advanced, yeah. to your finished third series. And right. here Sharat was telling me, I was halfway through, I think maybe, or just, just shy of halfway, to come to the pranayama session with all the older students, you know, like later that morning. Mm. 
And I said, I sort of looked at him as if like, you know, are you sure? And he's like, yes, you come. And I was like, oh, okay. So, and I knew then that I was in this quandary because I knew that Guruji would not want me there. Hmm. But I knew I had to come. I had to go because Sherat had told me to go. So this, I mean, that was the tussle right there, you know, like, and I felt like Sherat was maybe looking out for the younger students like myself, you know, and sort of wanting to bring them bring them up a little bit yeah. and so I was so nervous I would chatted to Rolf beforehand and he was like no you know you told you to come you come so I was like right you know I sort of slunk in slinked yeah I was like just sort of hide my face and it was probably about t- you know like I don't know Rolf and Alex Medden and all of the guys that were finished advanced and um there's quite a few people there at that time and I sat down and I was like, and Guruji saw me and he just looked at me and said, no, 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 why are you here? And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, and, here it is. And I just looked at Sharat and said, and just motioned to Sharat like, you know, what are you going to do? I, I, Sharat asked me basically. And so then this big conversation went on between Guruji and Sharat in Canada. Uh-huh. And wow. it was a bit, and then Guruji just looked at me. He was like, "Okay, you stay, but watching, <laughs> watching only." Because when we were there a couple years later, Harmony and I, uh, Shrap wasn't even in the room, and it was yeah. it was Guruji himself who had asked us to come, and we were in the same place as you. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. wild. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so different. So different, hey. So he let me do the first few um, pranayamas and then um, and then he was like, he made sure that I stopped halfway through, which I was quite pleased about actually. So I didn't uh, right. to, you know, step into the difficult. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, well, what an experience. Yeah. Though, so. well, I just remember from that period, I think it's like it might be like the th- one of the things I remember the most is um, – because I really kind of looked up to you as, as a big sister mm-hmm. and I've, I really felt like you kind of took me under your wing a bit. And there's a couple of us who were in a crew together. And I remember being at, in Now Packs. Yeah. And I think it was 2006. And just up the road in the Shala and we're having breakfast. And I, you were having a bad day, right? But <laughs> it, it was, you were really very emotional and you were kind of going through a litany of complaints. And it's really... <laughs> It's, it's our life, you know, like you're, 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 um, you're working on the arm balances in third series. Sometimes you get a posture that year, sometimes not. Mm. You go home, you've got no social life. You go to bed at 6 p.m. You bust your ass teaching all day. You take all of your wealth and you bring it back to Mysore and you give all of that money. And then you end up not getting a posture again. (laughs) And it was, and it was like, it was just a it was just a brutal period in our in our lives actually in this <laughs> desert period for you as well as us that we we're all doing that. Mm. Do you remember having that conversation with us? I don't I mean I can remember a time I don't remember that exact conversation but um I do remember at times during that period being quite exhausted I guess from the process of it all and um I mean I never was one to go to bed at 6 p.m. 
not although I must say. <laughs> um, I think one time so you were just I, exhausted then. I was yeah. exhausted maybe. I think maybe mm-hmm. one time I did try to, you know, my Mysore classes in Melbourne were 6 to 9am. So I, I think I came back from Mysore one year and did try to do the before practice, before teaching practice gig, like get up at, you know, 3.30 and practice. Before. Yeah. As you should. Right. I know, as you should, but I didn't. <laughs> I did it for two weeks and I was like, oh, this oh. is just this is just digging myself an early grave. So I um, yeah. I actually didn't do that. Um, I know a lot of dedicated practitioners and teachers do, but um, I decided that was not for me and I had to, you know, make my life the way I wanted it to be. Um, but, yeah, look, that, it was, you know, like that going back and forth to Mysore and, I mean, I love, I love being in Mysore, and even though I would complain about the process of getting there, once I was there, it was, um, you know, it was, it was great. I used to really like it, apart from sometimes falling on my head in arm balances, but um, on the concrete, or in on the back on the, bends. On, on, the um, on the cold hard floor, as it was back yeah. then. Um, but you know, it, it was a hard time, wasn't it? Like often for, like I was in my early thirties at that stage and, you know, you'd work really hard at home to build up classes. You know, it's building up a Mysore class from scratch is, is hard work. It takes time and commitment to each student and so much patience and stamina. And then you're doing your own practice, which you've, Guruji or Sharada's sort of been teaching you year by year and you're just trying to, you know, do that as well. And and then you're you are. Every every twelve to, you know, eighteen months, you're well for me at that time I was packing up my home, you know, trying to work out how my if I was gonna just leave my yoga classes, you know, let someone teach them or just let it go for a couple of months to go back to Mysore mm-hmm. and, you know, and practice and it, it was all encompassing. Um, time and I mean uh, whilst that was hard I mean you know challenges are looking back at it now challenges are good aren't they and um, I kept doing it so there must have been something in there that oh there was a lot of a lot in there I can tell you right now that was very good as well as being Mm. difficult and (laughs) you know I think that the the difficulty just I mean it just makes you more for me maybe more dedicated and wanted to just keep on going really mm-hmm. despite the difficulty. I remember even one time I'd never seen anyone else do this. You were you're grabbing your ankles and back bends <laughs> and uh, something weird happened and did a backflip and landed on your throat. <laughs> yeah, that that was awful. Uh, yeah, that, yeah I, I had a few, um, which is, yeah, which is interesting, isn't it, the yoga, but I, I I had a few, um, uh, you know, I put myself out there, I guess. I, <laughs> and I think that, yeah, I, I went back maybe a little bit too far. And, uh, it, you know, maybe I wasn't being um, held quite like I was used to being held. So, yeah, it sort of uh, ended up by laying on my tummy in, uh, yeah. at the end of that. Crying. Yeah. Well, maybe it was, you know, you sort of think, well, you know, those periods in Mysore as well, you're in a pressure cooker situation, aren't you, like um, yeah. back then. And, you know, all of these things that come up, this reflecting on how you live your life at home and how the practice is going, it's also um, 
it's very character building, you could say, and it's uh, it's very um, oh, I don't know. It's it's a learning time as well, and learning about you know who I was in the world and back then in my early thirties and where I wanted to be, and I don't know, just crying. Yeah, I was. You do cry. I mean, I did do a lot of crying after practice at times. So <laughs> it's um, it's all it's all part of the mix. It's the good and the bad. Yeah. And, I remember you were in those arm balances for so long and that's yeah, such a yes. grueling practice, like yeah. all of intermediate. Yeah. And then like somewhere in the middle of all those push-up arm balances <laughs> in third series for like what, five years, seven years? Yeah. <laughs> well, a long time. Yeah. Um, Guruji started um, teaching me advanced in 2001 and wow. I finished it in, two, in 2012. So it was 11 years God. there um, and it was, yeah, character building for sure, but it was a long time in those arm balances, that's right, Harmony. Like I, I was, um, uh, yeah, I mean I see looking back at it now, I see the benefit of that. I see, mm-hmm. you know, it gave me a, a lot of strength, it gave me a lot of stamina and really, um, you know, it didn't burn me out in the advanced series. I think a lot of... Uh, you know, people learning advanced, if they go through too fast, uh, it has a real, it can really burn you out and make you, and you know, be, t- be really tough and give you, give you a lot of pain and grief. But um, I think just doing, like going, so I go to Mysore, I get another arm balance, so I go come home, I practice it, you know, and then I go back and it's this real slow building of strength and um, and patience and everything else that goes with it and a bit of agony as well. But, um, but why do you think you did it, Karen? I mean, we all have our individual <laughs> reasons why we were obsessed with it and why we, oh. we just punished ourselves and, and worked so bloody hard. Yeah. And But why do you think you did that? Oh, good question, Russell. Um, look, I had a real positive experience with Ashtanga Yoga and and with the um, my experiences in Mysore and, you know, with different teachers I also met along the way in my journey. I had very positive experiences and, you know, um, starting at, the age of 26, you know, when you're still really trying to work out what to do with life and how you're going to make your place in the world and everything like that, you know, to be surrounded, you know, by a very positive community and support um, really just connected to me and and I knew that I I could do it basically. So, you know, I just... But no, this is this is what I'm doing, and I mean, maybe there's. I mean, you know, I was interested, as you said. I used the yoga to help me overcome some stressful times in my nursing, early nursing life. Um, you know, I decided early on I didn't want to be uh, working in a hospital. You know, in that super bureaucratic institution, I wanted to be able to be more. Uh, with people and really interested in how people could take responsibility for their own health and and how, you know, the Ashtanga Yoga practice, because it, in its Mysore form, 
you do take responsibility for your own practice. It was a very empowering experience. Um, and I, I think I felt that in me, I felt empowered by, by you know, doing this incredibly hard practice for in those early 2000s and I just I just kept going you know I just had a I just thought yeah no this is what I'm doing I never really thought I would give up I guess I I kind of really thought that I was going to end up being you know Richard Freeman I I kind of thought well this is what you do to do that (laughs) and it's programmatic and you go back every year and (laughs) <laughs> then you find out you, that you've gone to Mysore like, you know, eight times as much as he has, <laughs> I know. with like one tenth of the of the number of 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 notches on your belt, <laughs> and like, oh, this this I, this is a compl- I'm having a completely different ex- different life than Richard is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, comparison never works, really, does it? No, so, it doesn't. It no. Does, but was there someone that you modeled yourself after? Do you think? I'm going to do this because this is what this other, what these other people are doing. I'm like, uh, I don't think I modelled myself after anyone. I think, um, I mean, I had positive experience. Like, you know, like say John, um, John Scott, my first teacher. Yeah. Um, he was uh, very instrumental in building up the Mysore, I guess, you know, um, phenomenon for me, like, you know, right from my very first class with him. He was always talking about Mysore and Guruji and Sharach. And, um, you know, after a year of probably only 10, 11 months of doing classes with him, I was on my way to Mysore. So, um, you know, he he was very he was very positive. Like, I don't know, I mean, this is back when John was doing Mysore classes in London in 97. Right. And he was a great he is. I mean, I don't. I haven't caught up with John for a long time. But um, well, he's got the chin beard now. Yeah, so it's yeah, not the same. It's a different. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he is very, um, very inspiring teacher, and really, it helped me feel very positive about what I was doing. He was yeah. full of a lot of praise, a lot of um, yeah, just very positive, basically. And yeah. that, that year that I was in London in '97. He was teaching Mysore, but he also had a lot of teachers come through. Um, like he had Graham Northfield come and teach for a week and Annie Pace and um, Lena Miele. And so I was sort of surrounded. I sort of had this feeling of this really um, close-knit community and, you know, that you go to Mysore and, you know, it just sort of continued in that way. And mm-hmm. so that was really really positive for me with John's teaching. And then when I did get to Mysore in early 98, it was, you know, Guru, I just felt amazed that Guruji and Sharat just sitting in their home in Lakshmi Puram were just, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, student of John Scott's, come on in, <laughs> like right. roll your mat out. And they were just incredibly accepting. There was no pretentiousness. There was no um, judgment. It was just like, yeah, you know. Um, come in and I was the last one to practice on my on that first day, like in the old Charlotte. And you know, Guruji would be wandering around, going and having coffee in the front room, coming back, checking on where you're up to, and then come back and help you with back bends and give you a big hug after back bending. And then it was just like, I was like, wow, <laughs> it's really um, it's really uh, really accepting, um, and I felt very um, comforted by. By the whole experience to begin with 
and mm. yeah so I also was discovering I guess a little bit of um through the process of yoga and being away from home and you know I've been traveling for a couple of years I was also experiencing a sense of myself as well away from away from Melbourne and away from you know sort of stories that I'd built up around myself so I was sort of the yoga was starting to undo certain limitations that I'd built up around certain things and um yeah so, so that was a positive as well for me which uh, I wanted to keep I really I really also don't get me wrong I really besides his chin beard I really loved John um <laughs> I worked with him in in London and and in Penzance. Had gone down and, yeah. and camped and spent time there. And he really is the kind of guy that makes you feel like you can try anything, do anything, and, and yeah. get it. And yeah. he, he is fantastic. Yeah, way. no, he's very positive. And you know, I spent time with him. I worked. I mean, I sort of did time as his apprentice as well down in Penzance for right. a few months. And um, yeah, so felt. Um, yeah, he was a very it was a very positive beginning to my journey, you know. And yeah, so no, I just kept on going. But yeah. Yeah, this, this idea. Why, why did we just keep on going? <laughs> Nobody knows why we kept going. Because <laughs> our parents were worried about us. That's what it comes down to. Was <laughs> your mom? My parents were worried about. I think at one time I got came back from India and Mum asked if I was a Hindu, but um, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and because I was also, you know, I did like to shave my head back then as well, periodically, and so. Oh, I've but, seen those photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um. No, so I was just like, no, mum, no, no, I just, you know, I just really enjoy practicing yoga. But no, they were really, my mum and dad um, were both very supportive of what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, just as long as I was, I was happy, basically, and I was following, you know, what I, what I really, what my heart wanted me to do. Like, I, they, they, Thought it would have been good if I'd held on to nursing for a bit longer, I think, but um, I didn't. Um, but yeah, no, they were they were all good, and I think they could see that when I got back to Melbourne, you know, late nineties and I, two thousand two thousand and one, and I did start teaching. That there was, uh, a, there were people that were very interested. So you know, and I even um, I remember teaching mum and dad's breathing. And you know, just sort of sharing it with the family, sort of demystifying it a bit for them as well. So, yeah, that was, that was you were one of the first teachers in Melbourne, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, there was another couple of teachers, Greg and Tracy. Um, they were teaching for um, longer, uh, earlier than me. Um, I think they started in '96 or '95. But um, I was the first authorized teacher in Melbourne. Um, yeah, so it was pretty new thing, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a big, a big thing to sort of bring this very um, authentic, traditional style of Mysore teaching to. Yeah. I mean, a city in in uh, Australia, a huge city. <laughs> yeah, and it was a very Iyengar city, I think, to begin with. Like, um, there's right. a lot of a lot of Iyengar yoga. Oh my god. Melbourne. 
Those cold weather cities are always Iyengar cities. Yeah. It's ridiculous. San Francisco, Boston, London, Melbourne, anywhere where it's fucking cold. Oh, we should teach Iyengar here. They'll be good. Yeah. Turn the fluorescent, fluorescent lights on yes. and like, let's get the straps out and we'll yeah. all yeah, get our, and, and put our clocks on. I know. That's what I, well, that's what I thought yoga was. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, at least it's, it's good. It gets people into it, but um. Yeah, uh, it was. It was Iyengar. So, um, and when I got back, you know, when I decided to start teaching my saw full time, I just thought, nah, you know, it has to be six days a week, has to be the way Guruji and Shirakta works. So um, that started me on that trajectory, yeah. really. Mm. I, I heard that you got into yoga one night. Because you were, um, you were, you were a nurse. You were heavily stressed in Melbourne. I wouldn't say heavily. (laughs) You were staying up super late, partying on psychedelics, and and raving to techno beats and the gum trees. You wrote that. You wrote that down on the psychedelics part. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a young, yeah, I wasn't doing it all the time, though. Um, You did it like every other day, and then. And then you just had enough and you had to like, and then someone said you should, someone, someone in your life said you should do some, you should try a yoga class. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, you know, I was a, yeah, so I did nursing. You know, I had my nursing degree and I went straight from school into nursing and it was all good. And I really, you know, nursing is a great profession. It's so wonderful to be able to be with patients and in that healing space. But, you know, something about it, it working in a busy hospital I, I found myself working in the operating room suites and in the recovery room where people come out of operations and it's often um high demands on you know in an individual in single moments let's like not ongoing stress but it's just stressful in that moment kind of thing and as a young nurse and I I sort of thought to myself I'd been out I had my degree for a couple of years and I've been working in this big hospital for a couple of years and I thought, is this, is this what it is? Like, is this, is this all there is? Like, you just keep on working now, do you? Like, yeah, for the next 50 years. Yeah, yeah that's and I it. can see people getting, you know, mortgages and just all going back and studying more, you know, getting another degree in nursing, in the periphery. Or, I was like, oh, is this just that what happens? And just walking, working longer hours to pay for, you know, stuff and everything like that. And it's just like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I want to just do this. You know, I don't think I want to. So I think, I mean, we did have fun back in those days going out to, um, it was right at the beginning of, you know, sort of bush raves, things like Earth Coral and things like that in Melbourne. And that was lots of fun because it was otherworldly. And, are those, are those rave terms? Yeah, there's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You know, it's like a rave in the bush, and it's yeah, a rave fun. in a bush. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah. I think it was other. I had a rave in a bush once in Bangkok. <laughs> Russell, it was fantastic. Problem between Americans and Australians. Our language doesn't fit sometimes. It? <laughs> oh, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite fit. I, I couldn't quite put the pieces together that night either. I was trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this isn't. I'll never forget my, uh, I have cousins who live in Melbourne, Karen. Oh, he, he and, does? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And uh, my one cousin, the first time he traveled to Canada to, you know, do sort of some work over here and stuff, 
and he thought it was so funny. He couldn't get over the fact that we have a like a department store, or a chain store called Roots. <laughs> he thought that was funny. Yeah, what's oh. funny about Roots? See, oh. Russell doesn't know what's funny about Roots. I know. You see, I don't know what's funny about Roots. Do you want? Anyway. Do you want to tell him, Karen? You what? mean like rutting in the? You in can the tell mud? him how <laughs> In Australia, to root is like oh, to rut. To <laughs> how do you spell it? How do you spell that? R U T or R O O T? R O T. See, when if we spell it R U T, that means to hump. To oh, okay. Rut. To yes. rut. To yeah. rut yeah. is to they hump in the to, back seat of a station root. wagon. They say to, to root. To root. Yes. Rooting. Yeah. Rooting. You spell it wrong. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Let's talk some language. But, yeah, know, anyway. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, Karen. This I've got this. I've, I'm really struggling. Okay. 2004 He's on my not second trip. At all. 2004 <laughs> on my second trip to Mysore. Um, we had one of these fucking awful things happen to us, where Guruji just announced that he was going on vacation. He was going to go. They went a, to Africa. He was going to go to the safari. bush on safari. Actually... He's going to go on a bush walk for like three weeks. <laughs> and. Um, I was just sitting there. I was like, I just spent thousands of dollars to be here, to sit here and now play with my thumbs down by the chai stand. <laughs> I was, I was furious. What I don't understand at all, at all, why you and I, one, decided to go on vacation together, and two, didn't do any rutting at all. Like we were just, rooting. we were just <laughs> like, rooting. yeah, that'd be good. Relationship, Russell. So, yeah, but why were we on vacation together then? Well, because we were friends. Yeah. We just met. Have we? I mean, no. I mean, no. I knew you in 2003, 2004. Let's go on vacation together, man and woman, and go do yoga at four in the morning. Yeah. And then, like, wander around Hampi for. Hampi, not Hampi. Hampi. Humpy, whatever you want to call it. I, it wasn't a very humpy I, to me. I, I just don't know. Can I tell I just, you what I remember, Russell? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I don't actually remember Guruji going away, but I can remember now that you mention it, there was something that happened because that made yeah us go away basically. But um, I'd always wanted to go to Hampi, like it's a beautiful place um, up in northern Karnataka. And, you know, renowned for its beautiful temples and its amazing boulders. And often when I wanted to go there, it was too hot because it used to get incredibly hot up there because of the landscape. These big boulders hold the heat. And I think that, um, you know, it was probably August because that's the time that we were often there, wasn't it? August, yeah, light right. August. Mm -hmm. And so that was a good time to go to Hampi um, as far as weather goes and heat. And I thought, I don't know, I think we probably just, I suppose it's like, well, there's a few weeks, so we could go to Happy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's go to Happy. Let's get a whole bunch of people together and go. No, well, it was, I don't know if anyone else wanted to go. And I probably just said it to you, like, do you want to go to Happy? And you're probably like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. That's what and I said, yeah. We yeah. And, I and then we just put all of our money in the kitty and, yeah, and, and then, then off I, we went. I do remember that you got permission from Sally. Your partner oh, yeah, at the time, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so, time, yeah. and so that was all good. And um, I can't imagine that conversation. We had a lovely, we had a nice time, and I don't know if you remember, 
Do you remember the river going and the temple elephant as well? It's very oh, cool. my God, yeah, the temple elephant. Um, yeah, yeah, so I don't know how long we stayed there for, but um, yeah. it was a big big journey, like a long overnight Long enough to train. raise eyebrows, that's for sure. I wasn't <laughs> aware of that, Russell. Nobody's no. eyebrows. So I remember no. driving back in on our first day and we saw little Louisa, who looks like a oh, koala yeah. bear. Do you remember oh, her? Oh, she's so sweet. And then a couple of other people, and we said, oh, are you guys, where are you guys coming from? It's like, yeah, we just went to Hampy together. Oh, the two of you. There's nothing wrong with that, Russell. <laughs> we had a good time. Fantastic. We did have a great yeah. time. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I think it was, it was good to, like, because often when you're in Mysore, you know, you feel that you don't want to miss class, you know, you're sort of in there yeah. for a period of time and, the only place you can go to is by La Coupe, kind of down the right. road, or, or Korg or something, Korg, which is beautiful. Yeah, yeah Korg. <laughs> yeah. And just being able to have that chance to go that little bit further, um, you know, to Humpy, it's, uh, it's great. And, yeah, it was, um, I think that um, we were good travel companions, Russell, so oh. here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I, I, you told me, I remember one time we didn't know what to do with our shoes Oh. And there was like an overhead fan in our train compartment. Oh, the train yes. took 12 hours. Yeah. And <laughs> let's go on a 12-hour train journey. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was only to the, to northern Karnataka. That's what I can't – it wasn't to the other end of India. It was We were staying – we were in the same yeah. state as Mysore. It's a big country. It's just amazing. Yeah. And we put our footwear on top of the fan. Oh, that's right. Because we didn't want them stolen because they were like $100 <laughs> shoes. And here we are. These are our most valuable objects. And Sleep all of them. the – all of the locals in the train really took offense. Like, why? Why do the yeah. don't put the fans, the shoes by the fan? I know. And it was like, uh, it was like they're gonna they're gonna steal the shoes, though, aren't they? <laughs> clash of cultures. It was again. a clash of cultures. Exactly, exactly. No, um, I think. I mean, I think one reason why that train journey was twelve hours is that it just sat. The train just sat in the middle of nowhere for probably about four hours, yeah. um, as well. You know, like in the middle of the night. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, it was it was good. It was a good good get out of Mysore. It was something your, different. It wasn't <laughs> your first time to travel around India, though, was it? Like you um, early on, like after you you stopped nursing, you decided to backpack around India for a year, didn't you? Yeah, well, what we did, so that was this, you know, I was saying before about sort of wondering if this was, you know, getting a bit disillusioned with just the working full-time scenario. Um, and so, yeah, a couple of friends, a couple of good friends, Anne and Chris, they were like, oh, we're going to India, you know, for a year. Uh, do you want to come? I don't even ask, know if they asked me if I wanted to come, but I actually said I'm coming. So um, <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about India at all. I mean, I had started, I've been doing a bit of Iyengar yoga just to you know, deal with um, stress and things like that at the local Iyengar place and really, really loved it, really loved it. And that got me interested in in India a bit. But, yeah, Anna and Chris were like, we're going to India, you know, Nepal as well. So I was like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm co-. And they were a, they were a partner, you know, they were a couple. So I just tagged along behind them really. And we, yeah, started in Kathmandu and, you know, spent a couple of months in Nepal trekking and um, doing what we do in Nepal and then came down overland into northern India. This was in uh, 96. So um, had an amazing time, really 
I mean, I think that was really life-changing as well because India at that time just felt like you were going into a vortex. (coughs) Excuse me, it was uh, no internet, no, you know, so different from (laughs) suburban Melbourne and just really, um, you know, everything was alive, you know, so vibrant and uh, sort of, being alert and awake and it was amazing to to be there and challenging at the same time like many a times I was like oh my god how can I how can I get out of here (laughs) (laughs) because back in those days you know you had your money belt strapped to strapped to yourself with like a wad of traveler's checks and your airline ticket you know in a in a plastic bag so it didn't get affected by sweat body sweat (laughs) you just had to bide your time until the date on your ticket (laughs) came around and make sure you're in the right place to to leave but yes we spent we were there for about eight months um, and then uh, we the travelled all the way you, through. Right? Yeah, three of us all the way That's through. That's an intense amount of time to spend with three people. Oh, we were good. Yeah, no, they were good friends, and we had time, you know, together and apart and around. And it was it was all pretty uh, in your face, you know. So we got through it together. But we got to Delhi, I think, um, after about seven eight months, and Chris. Um, the guy, he was going overland through Iran and um, through Pakistan and Iran to mm-hmm. Turkey. Mm-hmm. And Anne and I decided we didn't want to do that at all. So um, we caught a flight to London and spent a month in London. And um, that's when I started doing more yoga because I was still really interested in Nyinga yoga. So when we were staying in London with friends of my parents, I just looked up the Iyengar website and found a teacher who was near Kensington <laughs> and it happened to be this teacher, William Robertson, who was a, a student of, I don't know if you guys know this guy, Shandor Remete. Remete? Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. He is now does shadow yoga, I think, but. Anyway, yeah. William was a student of his and did this kind of vinyasa krama. So everyone would have their own practice, um, and we would. And it, it it wasn't something you did once a week, like so many yoga classes. It, it was something that you you know you come every evening and to the front room of his house and work through your own practice, your vinyasa krama, and. It was, it was amazing. I, I loved it. So that was a month in London. And then after that, I strapped a yoga mat to my backpack and went with Anne and we travelled through Italy for um, a few, for about a month or so, met up with another friend there and then travelled over to Istanbul and met up with Chris. So Chris had come overland from India and back in, because there's no internet, so when we were in Delhi before we left Chris, we'd got our Lonely Planet guides out and said, right, on such and such a date, we'll meet you on this street corner in Istanbul. <laughs> that's Good amazing. God. You could have died that's, that's six how we ways. Used, that's how we used to do it, though. That yeah, was the exactly. only way. <laughs> and we got so, to get there. We're meeting Chris. Later, yeah, Chris. <laughs> This is looking like Jesus, like he'd just been overland through Pakistan and Iran and oh had many adventures. And we rock up having been well fed in Italy. And um, wow. uh, yeah, it's very 
So, and then we um, went on travelling through Turkey and then down through, I feel incredibly fortunate to have done this, down through um, Syria. We went mm. down through Syria and Jordan and um, across to um, uh, to Egypt. And, wow. yeah, it was, it was an amazing trip, um, you know, something that obviously have trouble doing now. Um, and then, yeah, so that was 12 months, that whole travel and full of, and I was, so that, for that second half, I would be rolling out my yoga mat, you know, and, um, in the guest house in, um, in Damascus or, um, mm-hmm. you know, down on the Nile in, um, Dahab and yeah, so it was, it was lots of fun and, um, we ended up in Cairo and my friends um, decided they were going home, back to Melbourne. And I had a working holiday visa for the UK. because, mm-hmm. And with my nursing qualifications, I knew I could get a job easily. And I just thought I'm not ready to come home yet. And it had always been my plan to keep going. So wow. and I was, yeah, I was really eager to as well, um, you know, sort of, do some more classes with William in in London and so I just it was it was good it was fun then for me to be by myself for a period of time and just um you know found in a share share you know tiny apartment in London and my first thing was to get back to these classes with William and then also I did nursing I hooked into a nursing agency and I only chose afternoon or, you know, um, afternoon shift so I could do my yoga practice in the morning. And then, yeah, so that was my time in London and I got to meet some really lovely people through those classes with William. Um, And it was also the beginning of the Ashtanga, um, you know, people practising Ashtanga in London as well at that time. Um, Yeah, so... Mm. You you told me a, a story on that that train ride about your your <laughs> youth and it's really kind of terrible story. I'm trying to figure out when it happened though because I think as I remember your father uh, passed mm. and uh, in the Korean airline that was shot down accidentally oh, by no. the Russians. Is oh, that right? That's not my dad. That was my um, uncle and my auntie and their family. Oh, oh wow. not mm. your dad. No, not my dad. My dad, yeah. No, um, oh. Yeah, so, yeah, that, I mean, uh, um, that, that, that is a terrible thing that happened to part of my family um, when I was uh, 10. Okay. Was I, t- was I 10? It was 83. Yeah, so I was uh, 11. Yeah, so, um, my dad passed away from cancer in 2001. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. And that, was... that, that, that explains, I was, explains my confusion in the mm. questions that I sent you because it, it, if your dad had been shot down no. in an airplane by the Russians, that might have impacted you, your life in a way that, was more obvious, you know, like yeah. you, know, you could see why maybe you'd make the choices that you did to go into yoga. Yeah. And, um, but that's that's a little bit 
more distant, but, but were you very yeah, close to your to your family? Yeah. I mean, to your oh, we auntie uncle. Weren't. I mean, they were. Um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, my uncle was my dad's uh, younger brother, the middle brother, mm. and he worked for Kodak, <clears throat> and had uh, my aunt Carol. So my uncle had married an American woman. Carol and so with Kodak with his work for Kodak they had to travel around quite a lot and mm. they had lived in Kenya in Africa and also lived in a period of time in America and also when this happened they were living in Seoul in Korea mm-hmm. and um, they were flying they'd been visiting my auntie's family in New York State and were flying back to um, to Seoul when that happened and okay. uh, yeah, it was a pretty devastating thing for my family um, back then, but I was pretty removed from the whole scenario. A year, but to be honest, 12 months, 14 months before that, they had actually come over and spent a couple of months in Melbourne and, and gone on holiday with them. And my two little cousins, they were only five and seven, um, oh very gosh. sweet. And yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of a, confusing thing in my history, They were on the plane as well. Yeah, they were oh. on the plane as well. The whole family. Yeah, That's the so whole sad. family. I mean, it's really and it, it you know, like it was a very strange time for my family because I think dad, we were watching the I don't know, the news that night and it comes on that a plane was being shot down on you know, in this area of Russia or China. And Dad said, oh, I think that Neil, you know, um, my uncle was on that plane, Neil and his family, and he called up the ABC, which uh, is our broadcast, you know, Australian mm-hmm. public TV station, and tried to get some more information from them um, because, you know, there's no internet or anything like that. Yeah. And so trying to work it out. But, um, yeah, and Dad had to go. It was the height of the Cold War and everything and, um Dad had to go, or Dad and my grandfather and my other uncle, you know, were interviewed on TV and, you know, Dad was saying, no, we don't believe there should be any retaliation for this act, you know. It's um, just everyone just stepped down, basically. Right. Um, yes, yeah, it's interesting times, but... Um, yeah. What was what was your dad like? That sounds like a very kind of spiritually evolved kind of place to come from was he was he deeply was he religious or spiritual man yeah well we were um mum and dad were i guess you could call them religious um highly involved in the uniting church here in um in melbourne you know we were involved in our church community they had a um uh, upbringing was very centered around the church and dad was a very peaceful man he's a you know, um, looking back at him, he, he, we were always out, you know, all of our holidays were always spent camping in national parks in Melbourne or going bushwalking and, you know, he'd take his telescope and would be um, checking out the stars or, you know, he was always a, a sense of of the other and something other than what we're just connected to in the material, in the material mm-hmm. world. And, um, yeah, he was very reasonable. He always believed in public service, you know, in community. He was a maths and science teacher as well and 
you know, mm. was very involved in different community projects through the church. So I always had it. You know, he was always telling Marie and I to be our own, you know, to be our own selves, not follow other people, and, you know, just to sort of look a bit beyond what's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, he did and a real love of nature and for um, our environment as well. He was very strong in environmentalism and, um, you know, looking after our natural environment and turning lights off, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all the rest of it. So, yeah, um, yeah no, he, uh, yeah, he was a very, um, very thoughtful man. Who, yeah, so he's sort of taken away a bit too early, I think. So, do you feel like your family's um, like spiritual background and growing up in the United Church? Do you feel that was an easy bridge between? Uh, the practice of yoga or that yoga helped to um, make that more present for you in some way? Yeah, I think it did, Harmony, I'm pretty sure, because I'd always been brought up with aspect of um, sort of the other, you know, of like mm-hmm. just connecting with, you know, it's not the material, you know, sort of having a sense of, um, of wonder at the world around me and, um, and, you know, also that sense of service as well, of wanting to be of service in the in the world or, you know, just in my immediate vicinity. So, you know, um, once I got into the yoga and realised I could teach, that was, uh, you know, that, that sort of upbringing, I guess, of wanting to be of service, wanting to share what I love with people and so it might then be a benefit to others is very present mm-hmm. um yeah so I, I do I think so because we we were often you know I guess mum and dad were conscious about what they put in front of us at different times and things like that so yeah hmm. yeah it's yeah. interesting I always think um you know in India sometimes there's a sense of from like if you're brought up in the Indian culture, like Sharat would often say, oh, in your culture, you don't have our values or, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. share our Indian, like the Yamas and the Niyamas aren't part of how you're brought up. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I feel like always, I always was sort of like, well, that's not quite yeah. true, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You haven't met Harmony's mom. I can yeah. tell you that. Because <laughs> yeah, I was also, you know, raised in a, a home that where my mother was, you know, very Christian. And mm. um, definitely those were values were um, very deeply instilled in both like my brother and myself and um, Mm. the yoga was just sort of a a very natural um, extension of it in a way. I think so too and I think that you know I mean that's one of the reasons I love going to India is you just see the devotion on the street Mm -hmm. like all the time and it's like Mm. that's wonderful you know like just to see people you know even in busy traffic passing the Ganesha temple stopping to do, you know, to turn around and and have a moment yeah. of, of stillness, you know, amongst all the hustle bustle and connect with something deeper. Just or even right to, there. Right or there. Even, <laughs> yeah. Or even to take a moment to have your car or or um, cycle blessed at I know, the temple exactly. so that you'll have, you know, a good a good a good uh, commute. Good drive. Good yeah, drive. Exactly. <laughs> 
Safe drive. Safe, safe driving. Drive. Yeah. Not safe, safe. Yeah, I love that <laughs> aspect too of their culture. It really resonated with like my heart and my soul and my spirit. Just those constant reminders, you know, even hearing the temple bells, like the bells mm. ringing during the puja, like throughout the day at different times. Yeah. And yeah, um, it brings yeah. that awareness back. It's just that constant reminder. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of moving away from that real sort of consumerism, capitalist culture and really um, yeah. resting in something deeper. And I think, you know, my upbringing, you know, mum and dad, very fair, you know, very much seeing, um, you know, the injustices going on and sort of really instilling in my sister and I a sense of, of just equality and, and just of, I don't know, just that you have to see all sides and, and stand up and, you know, do what you want to do really and mm. and not harm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Did, did you feel at that point in, in your youth growing up that um, you could look at Karen Grenfell as a, as a 10-year-old or as a 12-year-old girl and say, oh, I can see that she has a, a spiritual inclination or, or do you think um, – or did that come as a surprise later on? Oh, no, I probably could see. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I was, I mean, I didn't really like going to Sunday school. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was a quiet, I was a quiet, introverted child. Russell, I was more happy in a book and, you know, mm-hmm. staying close to mum, basically. And mm-hmm. so, you know, sort of the more, I guess, the introspection of yoga and, um, that ability to sort of, you know, be able to keep my eyes open and, you know, stay conscious of what I'm doing and my actions and all the rest of it. I, I, you know, you could probably, I mean, I'm not sure if you could see it in a 10-year-old Karen or not. I don't, you know, I don't think so. I was just a, a kid in Lower Templestowe playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense, though, like to think of you as, well, I kept as to myself. a... A shy girl in a book, that's not too different from a shy girl sitting on a mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, makes, that makes sense. Was, was the physicality of Ashtanga Yoga, was that a shock that, to you? It was though? a shock, yeah, it was. And that, I think that was also a hook, Alex. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, Russell, when you were talking before, that it's a hook because, I, um, you know, being away from home, like having that year in India and the Middle East, really gave me a sense of confidence in myself that I'd never felt before, just sort of being out there in the world like that. And then coming to London and still sort of carrying on that sense of confidence. But finding this practice, like hooking in, because William Robertson, he he left to go back to, he was a New Zealander, he left to go back to New Zealand and he suggested I do classes with John Scott. And coming to the practice then in this sort of time where I had been quite, you know, I was... I was challenged, but I was holding my own. I was nursing London. I was, you know, following what I wanted to do. And then coming to this practice and going, wow, you know, this is, it's actually changing me physically. It's tough. And I did have to go through a lot of, um, you know, it was really challenging. Like that first year, John had me doing full vinyasa, for goodness sake. Oh, like, yeah. All through primary series, and I was like, "Oh my golly!" And uh, you know, the, did did you mind I, I that? Because I never, 
I never minded it when I when I came back to Guy's place from seeing John and I was doing full vinyasa in Guy's place and he just like let, rolled his eyes and let me get on with it. But I just <laughs> kind of thought it kind of gave me a break. It was like coming uh, yeah. back to Samastidhi was like whew, let me catch my breath yeah. and then I can go back into the postures again. It, it yeah. felt it felt like a, a helpful to the pace of it. Yeah, no, I mean it was I think it you know it helped me learn the practice you know, and really see it um, very fully in the from the point of vinyasa and that entry and exit and the flow of the breath. It was it was mm-hmm. amazing, and I think it gave me a lot of um, strength as well, which I would have otherwise had difficult had difficulty, you know, um, obtaining really. Um, so yeah, the physicality was tough and. Um, it came slowly, and hence I think all that time in arm balances probably did a bit of that. Right. <laughs> you were um, very flexible, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I was as a child. Um, I used to do what we call over here calisthenics. Do you have that in Canada? What do you call it? Calisthenics. 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 Yeah. That's like jumping jacks. <laughs> no. Well, it is kind of like a. It's from like when I was preschool. Different ways of moving your body. Yeah, different ways. Yeah, yeah sort of like rhythmic gymnastics kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, but so I did come into the, I mean, I entered that from pre, preschool until uh, grade two or something. But then I guess my sister and I were got it on with flexibility. And, yeah, it was the strength that I had difficulty um, maintaining and and. One thing that um, Guruji, you know, would say to us all the time that I think is interesting is, you know, you practice, practice, and all is coming. Mm. And of course, I didn't realize at the time that he meant, you know, everything is coming, you know, like <laughs> including, you know, poverty and despair. Um, but, um, Russell, I, I'm, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about you at that time. That here's a, a young woman who's busting her ass who's work who's working um so hard and is maybe a bit lonely and tired and exhausted and then how did everything turn around for you because now you know you've met travis and you've got hamish you've got family you're you know it seems like everything came for you Yeah, the last time we were all together, we left yeah. you in Mysore in the at that teacher training. Yeah, that's right. Oh, is it 2010? 2010. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yep. and then since then you went back Your and whole... got certified and you got certified, you had a baby, you had, had a, a husband. baby, yeah, have a partner. A partner. Uh, <laughs> Um, was this all Travis is doing? How did how did the two of you get hooked up? How did was it him? <laughs> no, it was both of us. Because women um, don't have autonomy. That's my question. <laughs> no, oh, no. I heard Harmony's interior dialogue, and I thought I would just say it out loud. What are um, you talking about? <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about, but um, <laughs> yeah, what happened? Well, you know, life just goes on. Like I think. You know, the same before, like what kept me going, you just follow what feels good, don't, you know, don't you? And you just keep moving, hopefully, making those choices. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, coming back, going back to Mysore, and I don't know if I'd describe myself as lonely, I don't know if it's lonely, but um, 
uh, you know, there was a period You didn't of time mind there. being alone. That's I okay. didn't mind being alone. That's right. <laughs> being lonely. That's very different. Yeah. I is. don't mind being alone either. No, I yeah. think all of us have, we all feel a bit <laughs> yeah. that way. Um, yeah. That's what brings us here. But, that's um, right. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, I think I turned 35 and I, you know, you just sort of have a feeling that, like, something's got to give here. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Something's yeah. gonna happen, and I think you know, like I, I met Travis through a mutual friend, and I think it's just being open at that time, you know, and letting, having this sense, right, something's got to shift, and you know, I am ready to meet someone or you know, sort of move into the next stage in life, and and sort of embodying that, and then you know, when you're kind of in those interactions and creating relationships, it kind of you welcome it rather than push it away mm-hmm. and yeah so I met Travis I think in 2008 and um yeah he's um it's he's a I mean for all who know Travis know that he's a, a lovely human being and incredibly supportive and it's been to my soul now himself about three or four times wow <laughs> um, I met him there yeah yeah, and you know, very patient with me and <laughs> what I get up to, um, and very supportive as well. Like, you know, when I mean, I opened so I was teaching in Melbourne in a, another studio, I used to rent space at the studio, and then I took on my own commercial lease for Ashtanga Yoga Melbourne in um, 2013, three months before Hamish was born. Oh, and wow. it, it, you know, Travis was so supporting. I remember I'd be breastfeeding before going in to teach in the morning and Travis would be up getting tea and toast and just being, trying to do everything that he could to, to make my path easier, which was um, just amazing. So, you know, so I met Travis in 2008 and he also has a daughter as well. So I've got a stepdaughter as well who's now 16. Mm. And... That was really great for me just to open myself up, like not to have it all so much about me, like <laughs> and when I'm practising and, you know, what I'm practising and just sort of realise that in the scheme of things, yeah, yoga practice matters, but the whole, the form doesn't, you know, not to be so attached to the form of it, I guess, and um, just be a bit softer around certain aspects in life and, and let, let people in, really, and... Uh, Mm-hmm. and let love flow in, in other areas and in relationships and and that's why you know that's what happened and I was fortunate enough to to be at that time and see that that's what needed to happen and then you know um follow it through um so yeah and certification and Sharat was really supportive I felt very supported by Sharat in those last few in those few years leading up to being certified, and, um, which was really lovely and really gave me great inspiration in opening the studio and and just continuing to, to share what I what I love doing. I want to ask you because yeah. you said I I mean I also took on a, a lease of about four months before I gave birth to Janaya as well. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy business because I think probably Australia is very similar to Canada too when you've been working for yourself, which I have been doing since 2000 and 
two or three or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't get any um, maternity pay or mm-hmm. leave. And so you're just, yeah. you're just doing it. Yeah. yeah. So you're 18 like 18 hours a day. Yeah. Breastfeeding mm-hmm. and teaching yeah. and like doing the admin while you're breastfeeding yeah, and sitting on the couch in your spare oh, time. I know. Like I can remember writing newsletters with Hamish, like in the, you know, sort of the carrier thing around, you know, on my chest basically, yeah. just jiggling up and down whilst I'm trying to write a newsletter. And like, oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, I mean, um, I don't have this. I gave up the commercial lease on the studio a year before COVID hit. So oh, wow. um, for you, nice. Time. Yeah, it was very good. Um, which was it was actually, you know, I don't know how how, few, how many, but it was a big load off my back. I, I didn't really enjoy having a commercial lease. So um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure to fulfill. It is a lot of pressure, and I I felt you know like a, just to sort of come back to myself a little bit and let go of the admin <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know focus uh, focus my attention on the home as well mm-hmm. which, I, which I really enjoy doing I'm it's interesting yeah. to me because I, I, I so much of our time there I felt like um it was a little bit like a training camp yeah. you know, say for a sport like football or basketball and it's <laughs> very high intense very pressurized and we're being coached by Sharat and Guruji to really perform at the highest level that you know our samskaras will will allow us. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, in this contradictory kind of way, they're saying, "Yeah, go go have children." <laughs> you know, seventh series, baby yeah, making, yeah, yeah. yeah, and which is um, pretty at odds to the practice part. Mm. But I think really, like, I mean, having children, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but, I mean, geez, it's intense, especially. Like, <laughs> especially I having mean, a stepchild, yeah. I, well, no, well, everything. But, um, yeah, everything. You yeah. know, it's it really, and I was, when I gave birth to Hamish, I'd just turned 41 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, so I'd been used to a certain way of life and really prioritising certain, you know, like yoga and, yeah, sort of nothing like that. It's just a bit in that, um, in that space. And then to have children, it is, you know, there's that letting go that has to happen, letting go yeah. so much um, that I can understand. You, you can't keep on at that level, I don't think, Russell, indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like it would be detrimental to... Um, to health and well-being, to to maintain that sort of intensity of those early two thousand years, those mid two thousand years, you know, indefinitely, it wouldn't be recognizing the changes that we go through as individuals. You know, like our, mm-hmm. our life changes. Our um, it would be keeping on something that would ultimately be separating for us. I think, um, yeah. and not not entering into a softening or a um, into relationships and into acceptance and letting go, you know, into care for for others in a way that you can be conscious, keeping the aspect of, of everything you've learnt during those pressure cooker years and bringing it into family life, you know, and mm-hmm. so you can be in that present moment and stay connected to what, 
you know, seven-year-olds doing on remote learning or, you know, <laughs> whatever what they need to do and, and not disconnect, not right. seek a way out of it, not, um, you know, stay there and, and see past the, I don't know, the, I mean, golly, it's frustrating sometimes, isn't it? And yeah. so, you know, intense and you just want to kind of like, I don't know, check your phone or do something else, but how can you just stay present with what's right. going on? And I think, you know, what we were doing in those years, it was an amazing experience and opportunity to go into those layers of ourselves to then come to this seventh series, as they call it, you know, and be able to manage those challenges with eyes maybe a little bit more open mm-hmm. than... Uh, what they may have been otherwise because I think it is it's keeping your eyes open and keeping keeping seeing the stories you know seeing through the stories that your mind's telling you seeing through the stories that you know mainstream society is telling you about stuff you know just staying staying present with with what's happening and with a sense of yourself you know that's what those years you know I mean and I when you were living it, like I didn't feel it really. Maybe I did. I maybe I just blocked it from my memory. But <laughs> it was. It, it is that bit of a pressure. But that's what you need sometimes, don't you? You need those challenges. You need those challenges mm-hmm. to come to, to shift to to sort yeah. of understand that the layers that are there. It's, it's interesting, uh, you know, listening to you talk about this because it's something I've been thinking about quite a bit, and it's this, you know like your journey, my journey are very similar uh, in trajectory in that we, you know, came to the practice when we were quite young, you know, went into it very intensely, Mm -hmm. had children sort of at, you know, in our, you know, mid, mid to late thirties, early Mm forties. And then now it's sort of balancing family and practice life Mm -hmm. and taking all of those lessons um, from the practice and, you know, trying to apl- use them within life and then also letting go of some of the like intensity of the mm, asana mm. practice itself, right? Releasing, surrendering yeah. and like yeah. doing what's needed. But like mm. the goal isn't necessarily the asana practice anymore. The no. goal is like to create more balance and more, yeah. you know, have it, it help us in our lives which yeah. are so much more expansive than just this asana practice, That's which right. was at one point our entire lives, really, exactly. right? That's right. Yeah, I think that you really hit it on the head there, Harmony. I think, you know, and it, but it has to come from that intensity, doesn't it? Like, you know, I think it's having that intense time sort of um, brings it out the other end yeah. and you can then make those choices because it is all the choice, isn't it, where you go, you know, right. and sort of really seeing seeing truly what's going on now. Like I'm 49, like, you know, I've got a seven-year-old son about to turn eight, you know, I'm in the middle of lockdown still. Like, you know, it, like what's going to, where am I going to be to make myself feel feel balanced and help my family feel balanced in this yeah. point in time? Yeah, yeah. So. There really is like that word uh, being triggered. Like that seems to be, when I think about my daily life now, that, that period of time that we spent intensely practicing was learning how not to be intensely mm. triggered. Yeah. And and to know how and have the technique or the technology in us to to 
to disarm that part of us that's being triggered by some story that's in front yeah. of us. Yeah, I think that's really that's really it because you know those triggers. I mean, geez, you can. <laughs> there's so much to be triggered by, isn't there? Right. Oh, a, a whole lot of like going out there, which instead could be spent, you know, in relationships and right. you know, in creating and and like you know, like I just have a sense at the moment. I'm not sure. Like there's so much, there's a lot of anger around, you know, with the mm-hmm. COVID business and um, yeah. you know, and everything that's going on. Polarizing. But, yeah, exactly, and just to sort of. Um, just to see the see the stories that are that are sort of cast out everywhere, and just come to a point within you know yourself that is not not stepping into that anxiety of of, of that polarization of, of everything that's happening around, and instead of just softening and and coming back to a sense of, um, of harmony, really. Of, Mm-hmm. We found harmony. harmony. Fa- finally, <laughs> finally found harmony. Yeah. Yeah. You are. I, you are. I, I imagine. I yeah. imagine having a sixteen-year-old stepdaughter, and uh, it has its own triggering moments. And I'm just oh, I'm yeah. wondering if there's anything that you can you can share with us. Can you give us an example of how you've managed to <laughs> save your own life? <laughs> well, you know, um, this is lovely. You know, she's a. Yeah, I mean, 60, 16 years old is challenging, no matter where you are or what's going on. A 16-year-old in lockdown with, you know, I mean, to school remotely and all the rest of it, that's an added layer of complexity, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, over the years, you know, Travis is such an amazing father to her and I just, I just really, it's really been interesting because it's really brought back to me I, it sort of provided a mirror to myself, you know, where I just have to go, whoa, Karen, just calm down, like just uh, just step back <laughs> and just, um, yeah, just really open my eyes. But, you know, sometimes I just have to come upstairs and just take a few breaths <laughs> and then go back down. Um, it's one way of managing certain situations. But, you know, I think it's just like with practice. You just have to keep putting one step in front of the other and just keep softening and, realizing that she is um you know she's not an adult yet there's so much going on there's so much mm-hmm. uh trying to work out her place in the world in life in family it's also intense really and just to be able to provide um travis and i are very much into providing a peaceful family life such you know one that's um grounded in uh Sort of trying to be present through through cooking, through baking, through gardening, through just connecting in, you know, rather than um, being distracted by uh, mm-hmm. by other things. So when she comes and stays with us, we're very much into engaging her in activities, you know, right. engaging her in what we're doing, and making sure, I guess, that's a challenge for us to, you know, stay engaged in our activity as well, you know, like. Um, and provide that example for her and for Hamish you know, on a daily basis. But we are looking after ourselves. We are doing our yoga practice. We're doing some qigong. We're also baking bread. We're also gardening. We're also, you know, looking after them by making sure there's organic food in the cup, you know, like all of that sort of stuff. It's all uh, part of the, what goes around and how we try to bring 
you know, yoga into into a lot of areas sort of unconsciously, but mm-hmm. yeah, through the way we want to live. Yeah. yeah, I love how you described that too, that softening and, and the ability to um, like remain open amidst yeah. these polarizations or these opposites because yeah. I feel like that's also what we find like and try to embody even in the practice. And I mean, you know, you spending all that time in the advanced series for sure it brings out how do you maintain that stability? How do you maintain mm. that center, that place of mm. balance? You mm. know, when you have one force pulling you this way and another force pulling you that way, how mm. can you, mm. you know, hold that space where you're not being pulled off balance by either force? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not perfect. I do get Of course, you know. of course, and we all do, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's so but, interesting that the practice really does kind of hold these lessons within yes. it, even in like, you know, a uh, revolve triangle, yeah. you know, is it can pull you off balance. It can pull you off balance. <laughs> and isn't it interesting, just like every morning stepping into that and seeing where am I today? You know, what's going on? And it's the yeah. same thing, like with relationships, isn't it? You wake up in the morning, it's like, well, you know, sometimes things like as using your terminology, Russell, you know, they trigger you in different ways than what they did yesterday. And it's sort of maintaining, I think, the yoga practice helps you stay curious. Like, why am I being triggered by that today? Like, what's going on? And mm-hmm. can I actively, like, you know, help myself just take a moment or just, you know, take a deep breath or just see what's happening, you know, a bit more clarity that I can work through because it's often it's me the triggering comes from where I'm at not where the kids are at or anything like that right. so mm-hmm. it's exactly. more often what's going on for me that will cause me to be triggered and then you know you then color the whole situation don't you so as the adult in the relationship it's it's really interesting and I think it's one of the great gifts of the practice is to yeah like this is challenging but how do we get you know, we can we can do this. We can we can work with it. And, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, Jed, um, our he likes to refer to us as as Mrs. Positive and Mr. Negative, <laughs> and that's kind of like where I like to sit. I like to sit right yeah. on the cusp of disapproval in all things, yeah. and just like, wait, is this something I need to disapprove of? I'm just always ready for that. Do you do the two of you do that as well? Do you find yourself in particular roles? Do you do you get? Do you ever get to beat the children? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Like I guess some. Or ha- Travis occasionally. Experience occasionally. <laughs> that doesn't happen in Australia, Russell. Oh, doesn't it? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I mean, it does probably. Better. Not in our, not in our household. Not in your um, yeah. In certain no. circles, mate. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, it's a penal colony, Karen. Come on. <laughs> I remember you used to go on about that quite a lot. Actually. <laughs> Um, he just likes to say the uh, word penal. I'm sure he does. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, Travis is very level-headed, I must say. Um, he's had to, you know, raising um, Bess in, uh, you know, being separated from Bess's mum and raising Bess between two household has, households has a number of challenges and I'm just constantly amazed at how he manages to just take that on and, you know, work with Bess's mum around different things and, you know, he's just the master of, he's the master of letting go, put it that way. Wow. Um, it's, it's really it's, um, quite, a, quite a gift that he's had to work, that he has had to work at that 
quite a bit as well. And I think as a result of that, yeah, um, I refer to him a lot with things mm. with Amy. She's a, he's a great calming influence, put it that way. Right. And um, you, no, you, that, we, that we, rubs off on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sure. little, you little hot-headed in the house, are you? Kind of, <laughs> just no. boil, boil in your guts a little bit. <laughs> I'm outside taking deep breaths. For yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. one of the things we did a step family course very early on in our relationship. Oh um, goodness! Wow. And it was really good, though. You know, just and one of the things that came out of that is just, you know, you just always you have to work together. Like that's the thing with parenting; yeah. it's always works so much easier. When yeah, you yeah. are, I tell together. Harvey that almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with stepkids, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, the, the whoever's the biological parent has to back up the step parent and the other way around. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> I'm sure that the dishes go in the dishwasher. We're not talking about dishwashing. In the dishwasher. That's where That's the dishes go. That's what he's go. talking about. He's talking about dishwashing. Oh, I get so triggered in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it starts my day off. Because you're grumpy when you wake up. I'm, I'm Mr. Grumpy Pants when I wake <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I've yeah. gone off coffee again. Uh, you oh, should go wow. back on it. Oh, yeah, no. What coffee. I've found is that I now, I'm almost the same now when I wake up as I am throughout the day. Whereas when I'm drinking coffee, I'm much worse than before ah, I have a coffee. You're much grumpier? Much grumpier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's because I'm fucking addicted to it. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a junkie. And I wake up oh. looking for a fix and I'm a little pissed oh. off at people. Oh. So, yeah, I've gone off the coffee again. Oh, that sounds like a good, a good move. Yeah. 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 Reflection? Yeah. Positive, positive movement? Yeah, the world is much more gray and limp than it was before. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to my coffee. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We all have we all have our vices, don't we? Yeah. We do. I think coffee is a minor one, if you ask me. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know there I, are I a lot yet. of uh, a lot of Karens out there in the world who would beg. Maybe a little too caffeinated, don't you think? Karen may oh, not my... know that term. Do you know? Do you have that term in Australia? No. Oh, so What's you that? should look up on YouTube <laughs> or Twitter. Uh, hashtag Karen gets tased or tased oh, okay. Karen. So it's basically it's, it's a it's a middle aged woman like yourself. K a r e n is yeah, exactly it's, spelled it's, differently. It's spelled the same. Yeah. It sounds the same. <laughs> no, you go into some shop and you demand to see the manager, and then you end up, you know, being tackled by the police and They're getting like tased. Angry middle aged <laughs> women. Oh, <that's> fantastic. <laughs> oh, There's so many so videos of of Karens yeah. being tased. Oh, that's really highly good. recommend them. Oh no, I'm not really into YouTube. <laughs> How is your son into YouTube? Uh no. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want to be a YouTuber. Yeah, well, we um I guess, you know, we don't have a TV and we kind of <gasps> do things a little bit differently. That's so, so good. Tell yeah, us. Yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us yeah, about your no, magical we, ideal idyllic no, life. Not ideal, but there's certain choices that we make. And um I mean not to say he doesn't watch Sean the Sheep. And um, you know, Octonauts, you know, like on a device, would he watch it on an iPad or something? But we did watch um what we do for we want to watch movies is we um get it on the computer and then we've got a projector 
and we oh, project it up onto the wall. You have television so, just like anyone else. <laughs> yeah, but we just don't have it um, 24-7. So, no, we, we do try to – that's one of the things about, I guess, just trying to be conscious of um, – what though? What you know? What influences come into the house and all of that stuff? And um, oh, yeah. so it's in the Yoga Sutras, isn't it? <laughs> it's pratyahara. Yeah. They're yeah. they're practicing the pratyahara. What yeah. they're feeding their mind and yeah, their senses. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's good. It's important. It's, oh wow! It is important, I think, and especially for young minds. And so mm-hmm. he's yet to discover video games or. Um, you know, anything like that. Um, what what so. seven-year-old is this? This is <laughs> mystifying <laughs> to me. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. So and nice. he's reading Harry Potter downstairs. Mm. And, um, That's why he's, well, he's reading Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't have TV. Yeah, I didn't I put your child on TV. I didn't give your child a phone. I didn't give your child an Instagram account. Harmony, that's not me. You don't look at me and say those things. Uh, <laughs> My word. It's it's, it's 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 tricky though. It's tricky in this you know in this yeah. day and age to yeah. like like I know that it's coming and I yeah. I know that you know you Soon can't. Enough. It's not like I'm trying to keep it at bay, but it's it's almost like something he knows doesn't happen in our house. You know, we no, uh, after dinner he has a story and he goes to bed. So you know, it's like that's and just what dinner's happens. at four thirty. Is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's just being conscious, like even yeah. if those things were in the house, it's like just thinking, well, how do you, you know, rather than it just being on 24-7 or whatever, it's like, well, you know, how can we just be aware of what's happening here and, um, and move it, you know, to a, so that we think it's a bit more peaceful, <laughs> peaceful yeah. and, uh, for everyone, not just yeah. for him. That's no, lovely. It's so, beautiful. It's so yeah. I love it when people can do this. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I love it. I love it when parents can do it because I think it it requires so much energy on your part to do those things to keep your child entertained without yeah. the devices. It's yeah, I know. It's yeah. so maybe, much energy. Maybe if and we I put our child to bed at eleven as well. <laughs> might be different. <laughs> Everything's uh, chaos over here, as you can uh, tell. It's, on the, it's, yeah. the, it's in another hemisphere. It yeah, it is. It's, that's we're on. We're on Aussie time. Yeah, that's yeah. what's going on. We're on the twenty-four hour work schedule. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy. Do you guys sleep? Uh, a little every once in a while. Well, what we do now, this has really worked for us, right? So we wanted to, we we realized that we were spending a lot of our evening times apart in different rooms. Jediah yeah. would watch Minecraft YouTube videos with his friend yeah. who, yep. what, you know, that friend was some kind of famous YouTuber explaining Minecraft to him. And then we <laughs> would go upstairs and we would watch Hell's Kitchen. All right. <laughs> Living very different truncated lives, Karen. Yeah, and we yeah, said, yeah. we need to do something about this. So what we did, <laughs> we tried to play some board games for a while. We did yeah. do that for a while. Yeah, we, we did. That, that, yeah. Once a week, we could manage that. And then, um, you no, know, for a while we were doing it like every day, but it's just like it got for, too much. For like three days. Yeah. After <laughs> the third day, it was way too much. And yeah, then much. what we did, we decided to watch the entire cinematic Marvel universe uh, in right. timeline order, start to finish. And that took the better part of a year. 
because you don't realize that Agents of Shield is a big part of that, and there's seven seasons of twenty episodes, twenty episodes a season, <laughs> and so it's now, all superheroes. <laughs> now what we do is we go upstairs at night. You know, we we have our meal. We go upstairs at night. We all get we trundle into bed together, and we oh. watch our Marvel show, and Harmony sleeps through it. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a good option, Harmony. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I get I get my too. best sleep sometimes during those shows. Yeah, cuddle yeah. together with your oh. boys. Yeah, oh, that's lovely. Just <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, snoring. It's just what, what snoring. works. Yes, yeah, snoring. And then Jed and I take turns like... shoving her when she snores too loud. It's like, come on, Mom. <laughs> I'm missing the best parts here. It's Tony. <laughs> Stark, you know. Hamish is just coming to the room just to. Oh, hello, Hamish. Wondering how how much longer this is going to go on. Well, I think we're we're good. Yeah, that's (laughs) amazing. He looks like uh, the child from The Shining. Have you seen The Shining yet? Need to get that on the projector, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good film about a little boy having a nice time at a big hotel. It's very (laughs) nice. I just watched that. Don't like horror films. We're gonna give it a shot on Halloween, weren't we, Harm? Yeah, we'll give it a shot. We're gonna give it a shot. <laughs> Jed's ten. We said we're gonna watch. He's the almost eleven. He's almost eleven. Almost eleven. Uh... We watched Teen Wolf last night. Oh, that yeah. was good. Teen Wolf was good. Michael J. Good? Fox is very, oh, very I short, and he's the star of that basketball team, which is really. <laughs> he's like five foot two, maybe. <laughs> quite short he's crazy <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on karen it was so wonderful oh, pleasure pleasure you yeah, guys this is a real this yeah. is, i was really looking forward to this thanks for listening to this episode of finding harmony with me your host harmony slater you can find out more information on my website harmonyslater.com and i look forward to connecting with you again soon Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking